Welcome to another episode of Be Now. It's the show where nothing needs to happen because it's already happening. Be happening. Yeah. yeah. Is enough. And my name is Arya, and I'm sitting down today with Michael Vargas. Welcome, Michael. Thank you so much, Arya, for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man, I'm excited to have you on. Uh, I think you got some um, yeah great topics to uh, explore together. So uh, let's just. How are you feeling, now? And let's start with how how are you feeling. <laughs> How am I feeling? Um, I'm feeling a little like my mind is running just a little bit because I was doing some work right before this. Mm -hmm. Um, But I feel like I'm starting to get settled, which is nice. Okay, good, good. Glad to hear. So speaking of which, uh, how are you spending most of your time these days? Uh, Yeah, so most of my times are two things. Uh, The first thing is I've been doing a lot of facilitation. So I facilitate a variety of workshops, which it's just so much fun. It's just so much fun getting people together Mm -hmm. to connect and grow with one another. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's a big portion of my time. Mm -hmm. And the other time is with my community, just spending time with the people that I care about, the people that I love, having dinners, going on for walks, having meaningful conversation, laughing, playing. Uh, so I think those are the two areas where I've been spending most of my time. Cool, cool. So you seem really excited when talking about facilitation and letting people connect. Um, yeah, so what goes down in, in your workshops? What kind of themes do you guys explore? Yeah, I think <clears throat> there's a variety of themes. Uh, I think my two, my two favorite is really on culture and innovation and actually putting those together. So been doing a lot more work on the culture of innovation because a lot of people and organizations I think have they have a general understanding of the process right a lot of design thinking and things like that Mm -hmm. Uh, but how do we actually show up in the process is something that I don't think is really talked about a lot Hmm. and so that's one uh, that I've been working on and and a big portion of that is about uh, psychological safety. That's what's up. Uh, yeah, I love the idea of showing up in the process. Like you say, what does that look like? Why does it deserve, like, yeah, why is it not getting enough attention? Yeah, like, right, it makes sense. Show up. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's a variety of things. Um, one, people are busy, so they just want to know how to do it or, mm-hmm. or what to do. Um, and so then they go try to do it. <clears throat> And so they have the process and those people who are generally leading that expect people to show up the way that they believe they should rather than taking the time to recognize where people are and how do Mm. we get them to engage more with the process in a way that feels very supportive in a way that feels very good for them so that they can show up even more in the innovation process right right and yeah and and letting people feel safe to open up and share new ideas and make mistakes and fail because that's part of the process right 110 percent. i mean so a great definition by a woman named amy edmondson she's one of the the leaders of the psychological safety topic she talks Mm. about psychological safety as a belief 
that one will not be punished or humiliated for speaking up with ideas, questions, concerns, or mistakes. Mm. And she did, it, would it be okay for me to share a bit of her research that she's done? Please, yeah. One of my favorite uh, topics or research articles that she did was looking at the effectiveness or looking at hospitals and their teams. And she wanted to ask the question, do teams that are more effective make more mistakes or less mistakes? Mm. Simple question. Mm. And so she took some time, did the research, and the research showed that higher performing teams made more mistakes. More mistakes. Which felt odd to her. She didn't understand why. It, 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 it didn't seem to make sense. So she spent a little more time diving in deeper and deeper into what was really happening in the hospitals. Hmm. What she learned was, it's not that they make more mistakes. It's that the more effective teams are more open about the mistakes that they made. More open about their mistakes, okay. Right, so they're able, when people are feeling safe, they're able to talk about their mistakes they're able to share things that they normally wouldn't feel comfortable to share about because they know that people aren't going to judge them. So when we have an environment where people are able to share ideas, where they can make mistakes and be open about it, it allows us to also learn a lot faster. Because if yeah. I learn from your mistake or your mistake or your mistake, then I don't have to go through that mistake. Right. And I could learn, okay, this is what I could do next time. Right, right. Yeah, man, that makes sense. Um, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty straightforward. What comes mm -hmm. to mind is because, you know, I've been living in China for the past five years. And like what you're describing is the antithesis of Chinese work culture. Mm. Uh, like mistakes are very much um, downplayed. And mm -hmm. it, there's, it's, there's no, um, there's, there's a huge hierarchical uh, perception of things, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, of power dynamics uh, like and and the west america is more or less like that not as intensely uh, what's been your experience in that yeah i think that there it's pretty similar out here more or less um mm. i do think there's a well there's a lot of different factors so there's hierarchical for sure um and it's not just um like how am i going to appear to my boss it's also how am i going to appear to my coworkers. I'm, if I say something, will that be perceived as dumb? Right. Will that be perceived as wrong? Hey guys, I have this idea. Uh, why don't we make all baseballs uh, green? No, Jonathan, that's stupid. Now, <laughs> Jonathan <laughs> is not going to want to share any more ideas. Right? Right. right. And people then shut down from one another. They can't be as authentic as they normally are. And mm. so now they're even less engaged. You know, the, mm. Google did a really cool study on what makes their teams effective. And they found that the foundation of it is that the teams that had more psychological safety were more effective. They also showed that these teams had a lot less turnover as well. Right. So there's all these cool benefits to it. And I'm glad you're talking about like the, the culture here because it's, we're very much of a culture where everyone needs to be right especially leaders or, you know, mm. it's bad mm. to make mistakes. Right. And, and, you know, I don't, again, I don't want to sound dumb or stupid. And so we close off to protect ourselves. Mm. Right. And in a lot of circumstances, 
you know, not sharing is a way to make sure that we're safe. Mm, and in certain right. environments, that's, that's fair enough. Yeah. yeah, it's totally okay. Now, how do we get an environment mm. where instead of being shut down, I can actually be vulnerable? Mm. I can be much more open and honest and clear. But the more that I can be that, the less I have to fight against this idea of who I have to be versus who I am. Mm. Now, less mental energy is going into who I have to be. Now I'm getting to be more who I am. And now I can put my energies more into the work that I am now caring more about because it's more about me getting to show up in this space. I like what you said there. How can we create an environment that enables those things um, to be as you are? Yet, what does that look like? Yeah, I, I think um, I generally, when I work with uh, organizations, we focus on, mm. we'll talk about, okay, what does psychological safety mean, which we kind of already talked about. Now, what does it actually look like? Mm. And I'll have people write down a variety of ideas, such as whatever that may be. So you get things like respect. You get things like open-mindedness. It's so like open communication, no judgments. And I think these are really beautiful. The, the challenge with this mm. is that if we stop there, then it's, it's just gonna, a nice idea. It's just a nice idea. And what respect means to person A mm. is different to what respect means for person B mm. and person C. So if we ask everyone, what does respect mean? You're going to get a variety of different answers. Mm, so right. there's this, we, we stay connected to the concept and I don't think that's what's really going to help. I think that's what gets the conversation started. Sure. Right. As talking about that, then the group can identify which one of these, like identify several of the, com the, the concepts that are really important. Then we have to identify what are the behaviors that we can all agree upon to showcase this particular concept. If we are very much about clear communication, then we need to say, then a, a behavior may be, when someone says something, I will summarize what they said to show that I understand what they mean. Mm, the listening. So this, yeah, so it's giving us the behavior to showcase the value so that everyone's on the same page of what they can actually do in the environment rather than just stay in the concepts to mm. then help create the space to be much more psychologically safe. Makes sense. Makes sense. So yeah, showcasing the behaviors that people are agreeing mm -hmm. uh, will make it more psychologically safe and productive environment. And with that too, it's not, me as a leader saying this is what we will do mm. it's very much about what's going to work for our team where is our team at what are the things that we can agree upon as a team and people will then be much more invested in actually doing those behaviors because it was truly decided upon from everybody right. rather than being told to so not only do we want to try to be help them create psychological safety but the process in which we do it should also be safe right and so the leadership plays a role 
and there i guess i don't know if i'm saying this right but the responsibility to remain vulnerable is that kind of part of it that like, i mean that's that's definitely another part of it for sure right so hmm. um as leaders uh, another way that you can or a really helpful way to start it off is saying hey all you know i've been learning about this thing psychological safety and i know that we could use more of it and so i'm going to make efforts in doing a better job to help everyone here feel safe mm. right so being vulnerable is i was just actually talking about this um, the other day about workshops mm -hmm. where someone asked how do i make how do i help my participants in a workshop become more vulnerable and i asked them how vulnerable are you being mm. and when we start off as leaders right if you're leading a team you're leading your family, you're leading whatever. If I showcase vulnerability, then I'm setting the tone for how I want this space to be. And it allows me to open, show that, hey, it's okay to be vulnerable. Mm. Um, so that's definitely another way to help create more of that space. Mm. Hey, Michael, can you uh, draw one distinction for me? I think it will be powerful. Ready? Okay. Okay. Yeah, this idea of vulnerability, I feel like it's. Uh, at the heart of a lot of things. And, mm. and I think you come from an interesting background from clinical psychology and improv, right? Yes, yeah, I have a master's degree in clinical psychology and then I've been doing improv yeah. for 15, 16 years now. Right, and I wanna get into those things. Um, but on this topic, uh, yeah, so like being vulnerable, like you said earlier too, it's like putting down your guard and mm -hmm. just kind of being okay with not being okay essentially, right? I think, looking at an environment and saying, what does this environment need? Um, what mm. do these people need here? So a lot of times, uh, for example, I did a, a, a workshop for a bunch of uh, educators in, mm. that works at schools and things like that. Mm. And so they weren't feeling as if though many people were being very open-minded Mm -hmm. uh, so I shared a personal story about how my life, I was very, I thought one way about something. And then because of what happened, I realized the value of being open-minded. And it was a very vulnerable story about me being picked on as a kid. And I was thinking that I was the, the stupid kid every day of my life mm -hmm. um, until I was able to do martial arts. And I met Christopher Colombo, the Sheehan. And he completely opened up my perspective and changed my thinking. And because of that, I was able to have a much more fulfilling life. Mm. And so that would have been a challenge for some people is the open-mindedness. So I wanted to show the value of the open-mindedness. So I shared a vulnerable story about how being open-minded really helped me change and grow. So looking at the environment and saying, what does this environment need? And what can I be vulnerable about to help this environment get more of what it's needs to get us where we want to go? Mm -hmm. So you're kind of teaming up with what is happening in the environment. A hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, it's always in service, at least for me, my perspective is, right. it's always in service of the environment. What do these people need? How can I support them? How right. can I encourage them? What do I need to do to, to help them grow and develop and connect with one another? Right. And that's kind of the heart of improvisation, isn't it? Like one of the 
principles of improv is make your partner look good. Yeah, totally. I, I love, and that's, I love hitting on that note over and mm, over again. Mm, what right. can we do to make each other look good? Because if we take care of one another, right. then everyone's taken care of and we're all going to look great. Mm. Mm. So, yeah. So to that point, yeah. How did you get started in, uh, in improv? Um, yeah, I feel like everyone, anyone who gets into improv is a certain kind of animal. I feel like there's always an interesting <laughs> <laughs> story behind that. Yeah. Uh, I guess for me, I, so I started doing theater in high school. I, I just wanted to kind of try it out and mm -hmm. I was terrible. I was terrible at acting. It just did not fit me at all, but I liked the community of it. Yeah. Uh, and then one day a friend of mine invited me to try improv audition and I never did it before. And I said, sure, why not? Mm -hmm. And when I did it, I just, I just fell in love with it. I, it just, it just seemed to make sense for me. Mm -hmm. And so with, as I continually did improv, you know, I said how I was often bullied. And so I had a hard time feeling like I could have a voice and improv truly helped me find my voice and know that what I say is going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And there's so many wonderful less life lessons that I've learned from improv. And so, now I'll use improv uh, during my workshops. And whenever I tell someone I'm going to do improv, they kind of freak out because mm. they have these judgments of themselves, right? right. I'm not right. funny. I'm not witty. I'm not right. smart. I'm not right. clever. And I go, okay, well, good thing you don't need to be any of those for what we're going to do now. Because mm. when people look at improv, they see it as people on stage, whose line is it anyway? And you have to just go quick, quick, quick. And that's after you've done improv for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And in order to get there, there are a lot of exercises that we can do to help people develop the skills right. to get to that place. And so the other thing that I use improv for now, my facilitation is as a tool. It is simply a tool, just like many other tools that I use to help people develop a deeper understanding of a concept because now we're actually doing something rather than being talked to, rather than reading, rather than any of that. Mm. We're actually doing something and it helps develop the lessons. Mm. For example, one of my favorite exercises, mm. it's called um, Yes, No, Isn't. So I have the group of people walk around in the space and they point to things and say yes. As they do that, they're lighting up, they're having fun. Like everyone's just pointing to one another and yelling, yes, it's really empowering. Then I, uh, and then I have them, I point to something and say what it is. So you just point to the floor and say floor. You point to a shoe and say shoe. And it's, it's not too far from the first one. And then the next part is I have people point to things and say what they aren't. So they'll point to a shirt and say apple. They'll point to a lamp and say giraffe. And I let them go on for quite a bit of time. And they, they always hit a point where it starts dying down. The energy after a few moments starts mm -hmm. getting down, down, down. They're having a much harder time and they're struggling. And I let them sit with that struggle for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Afterwards, we debrief and I ask them, what did, what did we learn? How was it? Oh, it was really hard. Why was it hard? Oh, because I didn't feel like like I, I couldn't figure out many other things to say. It was really hard for things to come to my mind. It's like, okay. And then I ask, did anyone here want to say something they already said, but didn't? 
and then a bunch of people will raise your hand. And then I'll ask, okay, did a bunch of people here heard someone else say something and then didn't say that because they felt like it was cheating? Raise your hand. Okay. Mm. And so a bunch of people raise your hand. Mm. And then I look at them and I ask, why? Mm. And often I hear silence. Mm. The lesson behind this nice. is that what, we, what they started doing was creating their own stories in their head that limited them. I didn't put those there. They did. They could have easily have gone around and just say apple, 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 and that would have been fine. But they decided to place these thoughts that limited what they could possibly do. So the question is, where else does that show up? Where else do we place judgments upon ourselves? Do we tell ourselves stories that don't allow us to really see what's actually happening? And for us to just be aware of that, it's not good, bad, or anything. We right. just want to be aware of this so right. that when it's affecting us, we can see it and then decide what we want to do with it. Mm. So in a sense, being aware of the inner dialogue. Yes. And that mm. was an improv exercise. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And, and uh, so, yeah, one of the questions I want to ask you, like in your workshops, like this being one of the activities, um, when are the magic moments like that you feel? I, those, the, yeah. the, the afterwards, well, there's a couple of things. So mm. the debrief afterwards, right? Because mm. a lot of times we do exercises and people don't know exactly what to take away from it. So it's really helpful to have a debrief afterwards mm. so that they can develop the understanding of like, okay, what did we go through? Because we get so in the moment, it's hard to understand the right. lesson. So the debriefs are always, or not always, but are very often very powerful moments. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times I'll have people that come up to me either at lunch or near the end and asking just really personal questions about like themselves or they talk about how this really impact them. So I did, um, I did a, a workshop uh, for educators, like I mentioned not too long ago. And I had a woman come up to me afterwards and said, you finally gave me the words that I needed that I never had before. You know, those type of moments where people are really seeing the ahas. Oh, wow. This is what I can now do differently in my life to have more of the life that I'm looking for. That when I hear those things over and over again throughout the workshop at the end and even weeks, months and years afterwards, that to me is like some of the like biggest things. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So what does the debriefing look like? Was it kind of like what you just said earlier, kind of um, like the why, or what does it look like in other scenarios or? Yeah, so it, it kind of depends on, on what the exercise was, but uh, one way to do it is, like after an improv exercise, I generally will have people stand in a circle and just ask them, so what was that like? You know, asking a very broad question, but also directed to help people start opening up about their experience. Uh, mm -hmm. If no one's saying anything, then I'll ask some more specific questions. So the last part of the exercise, when we kept saying what things aren't, the energy went down. Why do you think that happened? Mm -hmm. So that's, that can be how I do the debrief. Other times, if they're working at tables, I might have them do what's called a one, two, four, and all. So after the exercise, they'll write what they learned, what they're taking away. Mm -hmm. Then I'll partner them up with someone to share with one another. 
Then we'll get into a small group of four for everybody to share with one another. And then I'll have them open up to the rest of the group. Yeah, it's fascinating. Just the architecture of, of people coming together and facilitating this conversation that sort of is a portal into a new dynamic. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's a magical thing, man. It's a magical thing you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I feel very fortunate to have found this. Uh, I, I mean, I couldn't think of anything more impactful than getting a group of people together to learn mm. with one another, to grow and to connect. Yeah. You know, like one thing I, I truly believe from my own journey is that like inner dialogue shapes quality of life. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of what you're doing is really cool because you're shedding light on, on you know, the beliefs and things that we're holding inside uh, through the power of play and improvisation and, and guided conversation, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's having fun. It's getting people to connect. It's doing these mm. exercises to develop a deep understanding of it together. Before we uh, sign out of here. Um, yeah. Is there uh, any final thoughts, comments for our listeners? Uh, yeah. I, I would say that, you know, a lot of this stuff that might be going on for you, regardless of what it is, one, know that you're not alone. Know that there are people who are experiencing very much similar things as you. Mm-hmm. And if you do have that, I would, whatever it is for you, I would really recommend connecting in with a group of people who can support you in different ways, whether it be improv or basketball mm-hmm. or sewing or reading or whatever it is, mm-hmm. there really is a lot of richness that can come from a community of people that you feel connected to. So whatever that looks like for you, please go find it and, and know that the process might take some time. It's kind of like restaurants. Right. Right. You might go to one restaurant that's okay. You might go to another restaurant that you really don't like. And then you mm. might find a restaurant that you never want to leave. Mm. Um, so please, whatever it is, you go and find that community of people and, and feel that connection. So uh, before we sign out, uh, I just want to say thank you for, for uh, yeah, sitting down with me, having this awesome conversation. Yeah, my pleasure. And thank you for providing a space for, uh, people to share their thoughts and their perspectives and getting people from different continents together. I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing. So thank you for creating that space. It's really fun, man. Thanks. <laughs>